You are listening to the Silver Screen Happy Hour. I'm Chris Wiegan, along with our brother Jerome, a screenwriter and graduate of Columbia College, Chicago. This is the show where we pair tasty drinks to go with a couple of movies. Normally, today's a special Oscar edition. We are decided to dedicate the entire show to one movie. Uh, you can tell by the title uh, what I'm talking about. Everything, everywhere, all at once. We had so much to say, I just want to jump into it. But before we do, I wanted to make a correction. I mistakenly pronounced the band that was nominated for Best Score in the Academy Awards this year. Uh, I mistakenly pronounced them Sun Lukes, and it's a long story why I pronounced it that way. It doesn't matter. I was wrong. It's Sun Lux, so their nomination was 100% deserved. Absolutely love their work in this movie. I also want to let you know, before I get it going, about an hour into this, I dropped an Easter egg that I discovered at the end of the movie. I didn't see anyone talking about this on social, and we need to get to the bottom of it. Um, I describe what it is. We even play a little teeny clip uh, for clarification, and we need some answers. So if you can't make it there in one sitting, maybe you can fast forward and listen to that part now because I need some answers. So with that said, let me get the film reel going, and we'll get to the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Silver Screen Happy Hour. I'm Chris Wiegand. This is my brother, Jerome. Hello. This is sort of a special uh, Oscar edition. The Oscars are done and gone for 2023, or the 2022, I guess, uh, calendar year is what they're celebrating right the yeah but um so we're going to be uh, focusing on a single movie this time normally we like to pair movies in that are have a similar theme uh today's gonna be a little bit different and i'm kind of glad because after re-watching the movie i i messaged you and said uh, i could de- dedicate an entire hour to this movie easily so you want to tell our yes, uh, audience only- what we're going to be discussing today Yes, the only time we've ever done this before, by the way, was for the special edition, or uh, 45th anniversary of Star Wars. Yes. Um, We've never given another movie its own show before, uh, other than Star Wars. So, high praise and uh, high company for everything, everywhere, all at once. Absolutely. Which, by the way, is coincidentally how Harrison Ford read the card when he gave out the Oscar for Best Picture, he like he had a slight pause after each word. He was all, and the Oscar goes to everything, everywhere, <laughs> all at once. Yeah, by the time you get to the third word, everybody's already cheering and yeah, jumping up, right? so you don't even you don't even hear the rest of it. But uh, super cool that they got Harrison Ford to give out the Oscar. Um, and there's a reason behind that. Uh, those of you, this is so old news by now that the internet has been splashing it mm-hmm. all over. So I'm sure this has all been there, done that. But Harrison Ford, of course, has an emotional connection to the Best Supporting Actor winner, Ki mm-hmm. uh, Huan, who played Short Round in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Right. Who, uh, I want to say that was his first movie because I think The Goonies came out after so uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom was his first film, uh, directed by Spielberg, mind you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think a year later or two years later, Spielberg was the executive producer of The Goonies and got him in that too. And um, 
we're going to talk a little bit more about Oscars in a second, but when uh, uh, Kiwe won his Best Supporting Actor Oscar, if you watch the the the, ca- the telecast, as he's coming off stage, you can see him stop and he points to Spielberg and waves to him. <laughs> um, so super cool moment for him and. And who, you know, for who obviously, doesn't love that guy? I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's hard not to love him. I mean, he's um, just so warm and genuine, and you know, and watching yeah. his speech was just awesome. And I watched his Golden Globe speech too, and I was like, "This is gonna be awesome <laughs> if he wins." Yeah, and I don't know anybody that um, <clears throat> like didn't want him to win, or you right. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like they knew he was going. I mean, Ariana DeBose, who won Best Supporting Actress. Last year was giving out the Oscar. She started fucking crying before she could even say his name. Like she got, she got key out. That was all she could get out. She she barely she barely choked on the other two parts of his name because she was already crying. Like, what the fuck, dude? Like, how many times have we ever seen that where somebody and and we're not talking about like. Like if Clint Eastwood had never won an Oscar and he finally wins one at ninety, like this guy disappeared for like thirty years, <laughs> and people still cried when he won the Oscar. Like, well, I mean, I, I get. I think it's both. It's coupled with it's it's how, you know, lovable and genuine he is to everybody. It seems, and yes. so everyone that knows him just loves him. But well, also, they know his story, especially if they watch the Golden Globe speech. I mean. You know, an immigrant who literally, I mean, it was a dangerous trek to the to where he's at today. Right. He actually was on a boat with his family and, you know, as a refugee. And um, it's just it's it's an amazing American story. And I love it. So, yeah, I was very happy when he won. So uh, before we keep going, let's let's talk about our drinks. Um, Let's get let's let's. You already cracked yours, didn't you? What do you got? What, well, uh, believe me, I'll crack more. Um, once again, uh, I know I've I've done this on a, on a couple of podcasts. I've been sort of, uh, I'm going to air quote this for those that can't see me. I've been taking it easy, which means I've just been drinking numerous beers. I've been staying off the hard alcohol only because what the hell is that? Yeah, exactly. All right. Before we talk about his... Um, <laughs> First of all, the movies that we've been doing lately haven't had like a hard alcohol that's paired with it. I don't think there's so, any alcohol in this movie. I want. I think when we did Thumb and Louise, I was doing margaritas. <laughs> so, like, you know what I mean? Because they were going to Mexico. Like, I want. I want. Like, I need. We need to get back to a movie where somebody's drinking some hard ass shit, so I can, you know, pair that up. We've been doing these, for lack of a better term, uh, drunk wise. These softball movies where there's no real hard, you know. Uh, so I've just been sticking with beer. So and which today, is, yeah, which is fine. So what do you got? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm drinking my regular tall um, Mick Ultras. Okay. Um, for those of you who keep laughing every time I say that, you know that Mick Ultras actually healthier for you than your average garbage light beer. So there you go. I'm trying to be healthy. Did you say healthy with air quotes? Um, no, but I can. For those of you that are, I'm going to throw air quotes on the healthy uh, by request from my brother. So I'm going to sound. Uh, I think I, I don't remember if I said this. I think I said this before we started recording. I'm going to throughout this podcast. I'm probably going to sound like the dumb white guy. Um, oh, we totally are both because of us. I, you know, I, I think about the drinks the day of normally, and if I would have stopped at after work in, and I work in the Detroit area, there's all kinds of places to get some 
um, various drinks that you just can't get up here in St. Clair County where I live. And um, so I went into the local party store that, you know, I'm, I'm friends with the owner here, and he does have a great selection. Andy over at Wolverine in Port Huron has a wonderful selection. But he did not have any Chinese alcoholic beverages whatsoever. So, like, what a, you know. Um, and, you know, most party stores probably don't carry that. Now, in the Detroit area, I'm sure I would have been able to find something. Um, but what I did find... And this is where it's kind of comes. It get it kind of gets into like uh, ethnic blasphemy. To you know, it's supposed to be a, a Chinese movie uh, cast in the movie. Um, the characters are supposed to be Chinese. That's how I'm trying to say. And so I got a. Uh, I cannot find anything Chinese. This is a product of South Korea. And what did I say? The I can't even pronounce it because I don't speak Korean. Um, so I pulled up my handy little. Uh, um, translator on my iPhone and this is what it's uh this is what it's called Hanjin 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 <laughs> I love now, that we have a translator what I don't understand though <laughs> is the stupid Apple thinks it's um Indonesian and Russian I don't understand this translation so anyways um I don't know what this is it's a clear li- liquor, I think, or, or almost like a wine, because it's super boozy. It's 19.3%. Wow. I know. I bought another bottle of beer in case I just can't stand it, because <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what this is. So let's see. Oh, my God. Let's see. That's I'm gonna pour pretty it in glass. intense. I'm just going to pour a little bit. It's, wow, you it's hear cri- that? It's crystal clear. You hear that chug, 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 gluck, 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 gluck. Oh, yeah. Is it good? No. (laughs) (laughs) If I drank this whole bottle, I'll be on the floor. No. Does it it taste like hard alcohol? Yeah, it actually tastes like vodka. So, and this is like, this was sold to me as, you know, it's like a, 357 milliliter bottle probably what 20 ounces i don't even know um how many ounces that is but it it was sold like you know a serving (laughs) right if it's vodka uh this isn't a serving but it's not it's it's not like so this would be almost 40 proof so yeah it's i'm i'm gonna drink that little bit right there and i might be switching to my beer but i just wanted to honor our asian cast by having an asian drink <laughs> uh, next time maybe i'll go for uh some kind of um cocktail that i could uh that i could do to honor the movie but uh yeah it's not too bad but you know I, it's not what i expected at all right um well, so i'll thing. cover the beer uh, when i crack that one all right so we, we definitely are going to want the sound on that yeah um, so give me your first impression. You said you watched it a second time. Now, yes. for those of you, now we always talk about it. This is the time where you stop to, to watch the trailer. Or watch right? the movie. Or watch the, well, <laughs> stop to watch the movie. Um, <laughs> if you're going to just stop the recording, the podcast real quick to watch the trailer, I guarantee you, you're going to say, 
what the fuck? Because the trailer <laughs> exactly. can be just as confusing as the movie so, when when you take it like, you know, in yeah. two minute trailers are two minutes and it's hard to explain everything oh, yeah. everywhere all at once in two minutes. It's hard to um, explain it in two hours. I mean Yeah. So <laughs> what what's funny is okay, so my wife, bless her loving soul, is not as into movies as I am. She knows I'm passionate about movies. She knows I'm passionate about the Oscars. So every year when the Oscar nominations come out, mm-hmm. they ha- you can have up to 10 Best Picture nominees. And um, sometimes it's seven, sometimes it's eight, nine. This year there was a full boat. It was a full 10 movies. And I made her watch the trailers of all 10 movies to see which ones she wanted to watch. Mm-hmm. I want to say, with the exception of Blonde, which I don't even think was up for Best Picture. It was just up for Best Actress uh, um, in the movie about Marilyn Monroe. She watched that one. I don't think she watched any of the other Best Picture nominees. With the ex- uh, I want to say All Quiet on the Western Front because mm. it was on Netflix. We watched that together. She's big, She likes war movies, oddly enough. She's into to war movies, so, so she watched that one. You know, without much coaxing. But I showed her the trailers for literally every other movie that was nominated, and she was not interested in any of them. And particularly when we got to Everything Everywhere All at Once, she it might have been 35 seconds into the trailer, she's like, next. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, it's just, there's a lot. And I remember texting you when I finally sat down to watch it. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen this much shit going on in the first 12 minutes of a movie, and that includes Saving Private Ryan. Like, yeah. I mean, the first 12 minutes of, of Everything Everywhere All at Once, there's a lot thrown at you, and they haven't even started the multiverses yet. Right. It's just the way it's edited and shot. It's just like, boom, 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 boom. It's like it's like uh, setting the tone for how crazy everything's going to be, right? Like, they want you to get used to it now yeah. so that when they start doing the multiverses, you'll be used to it. Um so if you haven't seen the trailer, watch it. If you haven't seen the movie, watch it. But, um, but what are your what was your first takeaway when you first saw the movie for the first time? So, my first takeaway. So, <laughs> it's funny. My my wife Jessie, um, when she watches a movie like this, uh, any just about any Marvel movie too. When it, whenever there's high action and lots of busyness going on on the screen. She'll usually just check out, and she did. Actually, both times she watched it, she fell asleep during the movie. Wow. And it was during the high-intensity scenes, you know, like three-quarters of the way through the movies, uh, movie. And um, she she did finish it uh, the second time uh, the next day. And um, But for me, so the movie, I felt like it was... Um, so I'm I'm like reading into the the you know the world view of what's go, what's being said right. Uh, mm-hmm. it, was, it seemed very nihilistic, um, where it was, you know, basically nothing matters. Um, and that was and what I re- come to realize is, um, and Jesse, my wife, sent me this article uh, that she or not an article, a Wikipedia page um, about the the word uh, or the about the genre of, of movie that this kind of falls in. Um, it's called absurdist fiction. And uh, I'll just, <laughs> yeah. 
And I'll read I'll read a little bit. Sounds like my life, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'll read a little bit from the Wikipedia page. It says, Absurdist fiction is a genre of novels, plays, poems, films, or other media that focuses on the experiences of characters in situations where they cannot find any inherent purpose in life, most often represented by ultimately meaningless actions and events that call into question the certainty of existential concepts such as truth or value and it's funny because when you finish the movie and having seen it twice especially and i recently finished it um i'm keenly aware that it actually does find truth and value in the end of this movie so what i think this movie was it was sort of a a battle of worldviews when it comes to is there tr- something that we can call true um is there something that we can ca- call meaningful you know and and that whole battle between uh, her daughter you know her and her daughter in in the end of the movie it just kind of it kind of answers that question right so that's i i loved it i thought it was i thought it was a great movie i know there's people that probably hated it um because of how nihilistic it was and how dark, really. I mean, she was trying, you know, the the her daughter's character um, in the multiverses. <laughs> What's her name in the multiverses? She had a different name. Oh, yeah. She had the, the bad person, the evil name. Yeah, I don't have uh, Her name was Joy. Her character's name was Joy. I can't remember what they called her. They had a tag I got it for here. her, which was the evil name. Yeah, it was... Uh, Jobu Tupeki? Right, right, right. That's what it was. Jobu Tupeki. Ah, see? Dumb white guy. Can't say <laughs> a Chinese name. Uh, Tupaki. Jobu Tupaki. Tupaki. Um, and that, yeah, that was the name that they had, like, yeah. and and, and she And she, so this character, um, she was able to... God, how do you explain this to someone? So I'm guessing most people that clicked on this podcast has seen the movie. <laughs> yeah, they, because if, if, if you, you haven't s- seen the movie, doubtful you're going to listen to a podcast about it. <laughs> right. Oh, well, maybe. So, I don't know. But um, she, her character was able to experience all these realities and all the in the, all of these different universes, all these multiverses. And she came to the conclusion that everything was meaningless and ultimately she was going to end it by entering the every what was it the everything bagel and the bagel. her and her essence would be kind of consumed into everything and which would yeah i can't remember how she worded which, it which well i mean i don't know maybe you felt differently i feel like the movie gave very um sort of interesting takes on basic principles. What I mean by that is the whole bagel and ending it all. Like, that to me was just a huge metaphor for suicide. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Like, she she was so unhappy, so felt so out of place in her own skin. Yeah. That the the movie was just littered with metaphors about family and mother and daughter and suicide. And, And I said this to mom. Because, you know, Mom, this normally is a movie Mom would be like, what <laughs> the hell? Uh, but Mom actually liked it, and she cried in the end, of course. Yeah. And I figured out why Mom liked it. It's because, and I'm going to go way back here to a 1983 film, 
this is terms of endearment with a lot of flash. <laughs> okay. That's what this film is. Interesting. If you if you really think about it, the concept of it, this is a story about a mother and a daughter, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now we're we're gonna go through story structure in a second. Um, and when we talk about tangible and spiritual goals, it seemed clear that the tangible goal was to fix herself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the spiritual goal was to fix the relationship with her daughter. Right, right. You know, she she thought, if I fix myself, everything will be fine. Yeah. And actually larger than that was to fix her relationship, relationships in her family. Because it was also her relationship with her husband, also her relationship with her with dad. Her father. What, her, by yeah. the way, did you notice? <laughs> God, this is so terrible. It's one of the worst moments, but it's done so comically that she's having all these flashbacks. And there's a shot of the doctor that gave birth, holds the baby to the dad and says, I'm sorry, it's a girl. <laughs> God, and James Hong, who the actor who plays the father, yeah, is so disappointed. Like, he's yeah, just, you know what it reminded me of? I mean, again, what's tragic about this is not that it's funny because you know that in certain cultures, you know what I mean. It that is that serious. Yeah, there, it, it is that serious that they still sort of live in a, a different world, a different century where women are not equal. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, so yeah. Obviously, there's a sad underpoint, but the way they shoot it, it's done comically because it's only like a snippet. And, um, but, but where it made me remi- it reminded me almost immediately. This is this is how warped my mind is. I jump from movie to movie all the time. Is there's a scene in a Star Trek movie? <laughs> I want to say it's the one where the guy claims he's going to go take him to see God. Is that the final frontier? Probably. You remember? Yeah, I remember, where, where, uh, I remember, uh, I remember it's, the... It's Spock's brother or half-brother, and he comes in. Remember that, show me your pain. It runs deep. Share it with me. You know what I mean? And he frees their minds, and they, he gets all these followers and cult followers because of it. Well, there's a scene where he wants to try to do this with Bones and, and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, McCoy, Dr. McCoy and Spock. When he does Spock's pain, McCoy's pain is unbelievable. They do this whole flashback where his dad's dying. He's a doctor, right? Dr. McCoy, Bones. Yeah. He, the, his dad's dying. He helps him kill himself oh my to avoid God. the pain. Wow. And then weeks later, they find a cure for what the dad was dying from. <laughs> so that's his pain. Pretty fucking serious, right? Like, this is like, whoa. When they go to Spock's pain, it's, it's one thing. It's the day of his birth. They hand him to his father, and the doctor goes, or no, they give the baby to Spock's dad. And Spock's dad looks at the baby and goes, so human. And ah. shakes his head, shakes his head in disappointment, and that's it. That's Spock's pain. That's all of the pain that Spock has been carrying his whole life is that the fact that he's half human, yeah. right? That his mother is human. Um, oh, so I thought of that immediately when I was watching everything everywhere all at once because I was like, "Good God!" Like, can you imagine knowing how that your parents or, or parent, one of them, was just that disappointed right, in right. you from the day you're born. Yeah. You haven't, you haven't even done anything wrong yet. Right. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Right. 
And so, so it's not funny. It's sad and and heartbreaking. But the way they do it, it's just like snippets of flashbacks, and it's almost like the way they do it. You're you're just like, oh my god, I can't believe that, that just happened. And and oh man, yeah. So talk about two white people that are gonna really fumble through this one. Um, so there are probably people of a different culture listening right now, going, "You asshole, that's not funny. I know. <laughs> like, that's serious." Um, so, one other yeah. thing I thought of, uh, so another thing that really grabbed me was like the, the whole concept of this younger generation. So I don't know, you know, the generations, I'm kind of confused now, like how old Gen Z is. Um, but I don't even know any of that. Shit, I to know. Be with you. So like, I know my kids are millennials and, um, they're in their All I know mid twenties now. It's fun to make fun of millennials on the internet. That's all I know. I don't even know what, hey, what really millennials that is. are going to save us all, man. <laughs> I hope so because I don't really understand the different. But <laughs> um, what are we? What Gen, are we? We're Gen X. Oh, of our course parents we are. are boomers. Because MTV told yeah. us we were. Well, so, yeah. yeah. So, so, <laughs> but it, 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 to me, this movie um, re- really speaks to like generational. Um, generational pain and abuse and like like you said with the with the family theme so i i i sense like kids the world over could identify not you know even if they weren't gay because their daughter was gay and the and that was that played a role in her emotions and her mom's you know struggle with trying to um connect with her daughter but um i just the the that kind of overarching theme of generational abuse or pain, you know, um, disconnect maybe even is a is a good word. That's why I think it probably resonated with so many, especially young people, probably millennials and Gen Gen Zs. Well, yes, and and I tell you another interesting concept was that the mother um, was the the. What was her name? Evelyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, played, of course, by the fantastic Michelle Yeoh, who won yeah. Best Actress. Um, Every actress acting award was so worthy. Oh, my gosh. Which, again, we're going to talk about the Oscars in a second. Three fucking acting Oscars. Like, uh, how? Three? There's only four possible. I know. And they won three of them. Um, but anyway, um, and they probably could have won four if they allowed two Best Supporting Actresses to win in the same category. Right. Um, I'm surprised they didn't tie. But we'll get to that in a second. That's neither here nor there. But, um so Michelle Yeoh plays Evelyn, the lead. Uh, and and what struck me throughout the film is, you know when, like, like when white people are trying so hard not to be racist that they say racist things? Uh-oh, what are you about to say? No, 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 but you know, you know what I mean, right? Like, yeah. Like, there's times where white people are like, they'll see a black person well, and they're like, hey, I voted for Obama. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they say weird shit like that. Like, white people say the dumbest shit just to try to prove they're not racist. Saying- now look, I'm not racist, but I'm not racist, but or some of my best friends are black, but you know, you know what I mean? Like they white people fuck this up all the time. They try they try too hard. And I tell you what, Julia Louis-Dreyfus uh uh from Seinfeld of course is in a new movie, newer movie. It's on Netflix. Oh, what's it called? Uh Those People? You People? I think it's called You People. And it's about um uh, I think it's Jonah Hill. 
Jonah Hill. No, I think it's you people. Jonah Hill okay. is is in an interracial relationship, and his mother is Julia Louis Dreyfus. She does this the whole movie, where she tries her best not to sound racist, and she comes off so <laughs> racist every time. But um, but okay. So what I was gonna say was is. I got the feeling that Michelle Yeoh's character, Evelyn, was doing the same thing about her daughter being lesbian, mm-hmm. trying yeah. so yeah. hard to act like she accepted her. Right. But everything she said came off like she didn't accept her yep. at all. You know what I mean? Uh, you people. Yeah. That's what I said. Yep. You're right. Uh, Eddie Murphy, by the way, is fantastic in that movie. We just, that movie <laughs> I'm going to have to I, catch up. I laugh my ass off in that movie. But anyway, uh, this is, again, we go off on tangents. We jump movies all the time. Um so I really felt like Evelyn's character was doing that. Mm. You know, the more she tried to act like she was accepting, she was really just pushing her daughter further away. You know? Yeah. So the dynamic there was just fantastic. Um, so I I gathered what <laughs> – if you could gather anything in the first ten minutes of this movie – um, I'm curious. I've, I want. I was looking forward to talking to you about this because I was wondering how the heck you figured out the the arc, theme? the the theme, the arc. The... So the husband, uh, Waymond, Waymond, played by uh, Waymond, yeah. who uh, played by Kihui Kwan, actually says to her at some point in the first five to ten minutes, um, "I know you want everything perfect." Because she's trying to get all the receipts together, right, for right. that IRS audit. And he says to her, I know you want everything perfect. And that, to me, just struck. You know what I mean? Like, we get to the point where we're doing these podcasts. Now, whenever you watch a movie, don't you just look for it? Like, you look for it, right? When somebody says something to the lead, you're like, fuck it, that's it right there. That's what I'm going to pay attention to for the rest of the next two hours. Somebody says something to the lead, and you're like, I yeah. bet you that's going to end up being the theme. And she tries so hard. But again, the perfection that she's chasing is in herself. Right. She doesn't realize that her spiritual goal, the perfection that she's really chasing, is the connection between her and her daughter. And what an amazing climax, a final scene where she's telling the daughter off. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? She's been trying to uh, kid gloves her the whole movie. Right. You know, and then finally at the end, when the daughter's like, I just want to end it, I just think we should go our separate ways. And she goes to walk away. The mother's like, You know what? Fine. And she lets her have it. This is all the things I hate about you. Blah, 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 blah. But then at the end of it, while trying not to cry, she says, But I don't care about any of that stuff. I only want to be with you. Always. Yeah. Even despite all the things you do that drive me nuts, I only want to be here. With you, yeah, that was good. you know that what was it, good. I mean, that's a huge, and that's the scene they showed at the Oscars, by the way, when when they, you know, because they always show clips, yeah, of the actors that are up. That they, that was Michelle Yeoh's clip, and and you can tell, like, you know, I, when I when I was watching it for the first time and I saw that moment, you know, I'm one of those guys that have those little bells that go off, and my bell was Oscar clip, Oscar clip, Oscar clip. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was the same thing with Mark Ruffalo in Spotlight when he's doing the it's. T- Robbie, you know, about going after the priests. You're like, Oscar clip, Oscar clip. And sure enough, that's the clip they showed when he, when he was up for Best Supporting Actor. So, And you kind of wonder, do the actors know what their Oscar clip is when they're doing these scenes? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, um, and that to me was, that was what wrapped it all up. There's a lot of shit that goes on between what we just said is the theme and how we end it. Yeah. I mean, the hot dog fingers alone, that's got to be worth mentioning. <laughs> right. Um 
Uh, uh, let me uh, pause for station identification for those of you that are listening. Yeah, that's number two. <laughs> not that we're keeping track or counting in any way. We stopped counting. That's not nice. Um, but so as I was mapping out these scenes, I was literally writing down these scenes, right? Because I, I like to try to pinpoint midpoint scene and stuff like that. Um there's a section in act two past the midpoint scene you want to hear what these scene headings were that I wrote down yeah I'm going to tell you uh, four in a row these were four straight scenes in a row and this is what I wrote down Evelyn fights all jumpers Evelyn versus dog mom Evelyn versus butt plugs Evelyn versus Joe Boo again. <laughs> that butt plug scene was horrible, man. I was like, what the hell? And then I ended that last one with Evelyn vomits into flatline. I mean, there was something like, I'm trying to keep track of everything that's going on. And, we, and I'm writing this shit down and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. It's so much crap. I mean, and again... Like I said, it's a compact first 12 minutes of all the shit that's going on, and they don't even jump into the multiverses yet. You know what I mean? The multiverse happens in the first turning point where, you know, she decides to make the decision. Now, Mm -hmm. again, we talk about this in Star Wars, right? It's not just Obi-Wan and uh, Leia presenting Luke. Uh, Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. And he says, hey, you must come with me. It's not enough just to say that. That's not going to jump the character into Act Mm 2. There has to be a double bump. There has to be something else that happens. And in in Luke's case in Star Wars, he arrives home to find Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru have been charred to death. That's his double bump. That's his, all right, now I got nothing. I might as well go. Um, and everything, everywhere, all at once, it's not enough that the husband stops her in the elevator. Remember? He just all of a sudden becomes this different guy in the elevator. Yeah. He's been a nerdy, meek husband so far. And then in the elevator, he takes his glasses off, and it's like he's fucking Indiana Jones all of a sudden. <laughs> and he's just like, all right, this is what's happening. There's all these crazy verses going on. I need your help. We have to stop this bad guy. You know what I mean? And she's like, what are you talking about? Right. Right? Because that's her husband. And yet he's got the umbrella up, so he's blocking the camera, the the you know the the camera in the elevator. And she doesn't know, have any clue what's going on. He puts these things on her ears and everything, and he's like, "You have a choice. When we get out of the elevator, you can go straight to the janitor's room, and we'll go on this journey." Of course, she doesn't because she doesn't believe a thing she says. She just think he's lost his mind. Right, right. But when she's sitting there, so it wasn't enough. That wasn't enough to push her into Act 2. But when she's sitting there listening to Jamie Lee Curtis's uh, Deirdre. Oh, God, Deirdre. I love Deirdre, the whole movie. <laughs> right. Um, when she's listening to her really, and, and they showed her clip at the Oscars for her her Best Supporting Actress. Uh, oh, wait, we got to get, uh, get an audio on this. Another it shot. actually looks like it looks like white wine. It's, it looks like Chardonnay. It's kind of growing on me, but man, if I drink too much of this, I will be in trouble. It's growing on you because your taste buds are fried off. <laughs> but anyway, so and it, that was her clip where she's like, "I see a story here, and it doesn't look good." You know what I mean? Right, so right. that's when Evelyn decides, "I have to do this. I got to get out of this moment right now, and make the jump." Into the multiverse. Um, so that's, you know what I mean? That's her double bump is that she's getting railed to the walls by the IRS and she needs to get out of that moment. 
um, little did she know that, you know, really this whole adventure was to stop her. The evil person, which I thought it was funny that it was her daughter is the one that's manifested as the evil person. <laughs> I know. And and uh, can I just say, Stephanie, it's got to be Sue? Stephanie Sue? That plays your daughter? I, I'm going to mispronounce that like crazy. Um, God, do we sound and look like dumb old white people or what? <laughs> I'm not editing <laughs> any of this. <laughs> but yeah, don't don't edit any of this. We need we need we need the audience to know that we. This is just. Uh, all right, here we go. Reality. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Oh wait, you can't hear it. Okay, here. Can you hear this? Stephanie Shu. Shu. What did I say? Sue. I said Sue. Okay, I said Sue. It's actually Stephanie Shu, H S U. Um, so I apologize for those that are screaming right now at your, uh, whatever you're listening to this uh, podcast on. Um, I have to say, she had the most amazing costume and makeup designs throughout the entire oh, yeah. film. Right, like poor Evelyn seemed to be. With the exception of the hot dog fingers, poor Evelyn seemed to be in the same shit she was in. She had a couple of costume changes, but... I thought it was uh, cool that when the, one of the multiverses, she was a movie star, and they used footage of her actual self on, like, you know, at awards yeah. shows and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, and the red carpet. Yeah, the red... <laughs> that was Because, you cool. know, for those of you that are like, oh, I don't really know Michelle Yeoh, but she looks familiar. Remember Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Like, when that movie came out, that was huge. She was the lead in that. I did so- hear in an interview, um, they originally cast her as as Michelle. Her name was going to be Michelle, and, oh, she, yeah? and she didn't want that. She kind of fought against it and they changed it to Evelyn hmm. and uh, I thought it would have been cool <laughs> if she did if they you know what yeah. I mean yeah but whatever I mean well you know you see that works. a lot in uh, oh the movies that Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill do together a lot of times Seth Rogen's name in the movie is Seth mm-hmm. and Jonah Hill's name is Jonah <laughs> 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 but, uh, uh, but anyway um, so her her Costume designs for um, the villain, right? Jobu Tapaki. Yeah, they're so elaborate. The, the the makeup is so elaborate. Again, if you haven't seen the film and you watch the trailer, you're like, "What the hell's going on?" When they presented Stephanie Hsu at the Oscars for Best Supporting Actress. She was nominated for Best Supporting Actress, and you know how they show like a bunch of random clips of the person, and then they show their scene. The random clips they were showing of her were just, I mean, again, if you hadn't seen the movie and you had no idea what it was about, you got, you'd you be like, who the hell does she play? Because she's in some weird outfits and just <laughs> random clips that they show throughout the whole Oscar telecast. Um, so I guess we could take this moment and, and really dig into that. So Best Supporting Actress is five actresses in the category. Two of them were of this film. And rarely does one of them win because usually when there's two from the same movie, it splits the vote, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Half the people are voting for one, half the people are voting for the other. Um, but but it does work out sometimes, and this year was an example where overwhelmingly, even though Stephanie Hsu is widely considered the best, like she should have won, right? Mm-hmm. 
everyone really felt like she should have won. It's you can understand why Jamie Lee Curtis won, right? A lifelong, a career. I mean, what, what is it? Five decades? Yeah, it's F- a long five time. Five decades in Hollywood. Your parents are are Vivian Lee and Tony Curtis. Like your parent, your your parents <laughs> are Hollywood legends. You're a Hollywood icon. You've been around for five, six decades. Um, you you battled most of your career being typecast as a scream queen, right? Right. In horror films, you know what I mean? Like uh, people that were bitching about this. I can't believe Jamie Lee Curtis won. Folks, if you honestly think Al Pacino's best acting performance ever was Son of a Woman, then right. you don't understand how the Oscars work. Like, it's yeah. just, you know what I he mean? Like, due. He was due, and that's why he won Sometimes you're it. just fucking due. Sometimes you're just due. If you want a tragedy, and you saw this a lot <laughs> on the internet that week when Angela Bassett lost. Now, it's only her second Oscar nomination, but she lost Best Supporting Actress for Wakanda Forever, and everybody went bananas. Everybody went ape shit. And it's like, folks, the real tragedy is that Al Pacino got out of the 70s without an Oscar. That's the real tragedy. (laughs) Because he had like six that he could have won a fucking Oscar for, and he didn't win any. They were all better than The Son of a Woman. (laughs) Way, way infinitely better than Son of a Woman. And and yet he wins for that, right? So and and is really training day? Is that really Denzel Washington's best uh, lead performance that he's ever had? Fuck no. no. He's had like at least five or six others that were way better. Sometimes you're just due, and it happens to be the year that you get lucky, and it, and it just happens. So everybody that that claims like oh it's bullshit, hey man, <laughs> well Angela Bassett's still probably gonna win an Oscar. You know what I mean? She probably yeah. will. And you know what the other thing I saw? I, I don't want to really pile on to Angela Bassett because I, I love her and I thought she's great. She's always great. But everyone's like, she should have won for What's Love Got to Do With It. She should have won for that, right? Yeah. Everyone was going off on the one that she lost Best Actress for. That year she went up against Holly Hunter in the piano. Nobody was beating Holly Hunter that year. <laughs> right. Nobody. When you play a deaf uh uh, it was a real artistic film, too, about this woman on a beach who plays a piano that eventually sinks in the ocean. It was this... <laughs> the, the, well, oh, God, what was her name? That one Best Supporting Actress. Um, I'm trying to blank right now. Come on, Jerome. Yeah, so um, she was like 11? Uh, was she like the youngest? Anna Paquin. Anna Paquin. All right, I knew that. I knew it would come to me eventually. Anna Paquin won Best Supporting Actress. She was like 11 years old or 8 years old or whatever the hell it was. Anyway, nobody was beating Holly Hunter that year. Okay, so that wasn't Angela Bassett's time. Right. And this year wasn't either. It just wasn't. But it'll happen, folks. It'll happen. Angela Bassett's going to win her Oscar. Well, I'm sure of it. And honestly, if... if now, I didn't see Wakanda Forever. I love her as an actress, though. Um but I, having seen um, everything everywhere all at once a couple of times, I would not have been upset if Stephanie, um, what do you say, Shoe. Shoe, if she if she would have won because well, she did a phenomenal job. And again, that's what most people were saying was like, we get the Jamie Lee Curtis legacy, but the be- the best supporting actress this year was the one that was in the same film. Yeah, yeah. You know that was that she should have won it. Right. And, you know, it's it's hard to argue that when you watch that film, particularly that ending is so heartbreaking. You know, um, Jamie Lee Curtis didn't have, well, I was going to say she didn't have really a moment in that film where I, I want to say really clinched the Oscar. Yeah. I think she was just sort of 
in, fun all the way through. Yeah. An integral part all the way through. And again, she has the legacy on her side, her background, her history. She has that on her I side. I think her Oscar moment was the hot dog fingers in the mouth. <laughs> that was, all right. That, <laughs> I love the hot dog fingers thing. It was But so that weird. part was a little too much. That was when they started putting the fingers in each other's mouths. I was like, all right, all right. I was all, I was with you. I was with you on the hot dog fingers. I wasn't. You're, you're making me regret it now. Now you're making me regret it. But but Stephanie shoes certainly had that moment yeah. at oh, the yeah. end. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Actually, she had moments all Throughout, the way through. Yeah. Even but in the that, very beginning, the emotion was so intense. Yeah. And the, she the, was, like uh, just on her face, the pain she was yeah. experiencing, you felt it. I mean, it was it was I don't know. It was an amazing job. So I do, you know, I, I think she would have been a, a worthy recipient of that award, but Yeah. Like you said. Jamie Lee was due, I guess. She, she was due. <laughs> and, and if she wasn't going to win it, Stephanie Shu probably was going to win it. Yeah. Um, so so let's get into that a little bit. So we already talked about uh, Ki Hui Kwan wins Best Supporting Actor. Jamie Lee Curtis wins Best Supporting Actress. Michelle Yeoh wins Best Actress. Three of the four acting awards. I mean, they didn't have a Best Lead Actor, or they probably would have won that too. All right. Um, although you could have argued that Ki Hui could have been nominated for Best Actor, and James Hong, who plays the father, could have gotten an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actor if they right. really wanted to play that. I actually heard some of that chatter on the internet oh, yeah. that they actually did Kiwe wrong. They should have. They should have. The studio should have pushed him in the lead in the, as a lead role. Hmm. Um, but you know, I mean, Alec Guinness gets nominated for Best Supporting Actor in Star Wars. You know, a lot of times that catalyst character that pushes the lead into the story. That's what they are. They're the helper. You know right, what I mean? Right, the, right. Ki Hui Kwan's role in this film was was obviously important and needed, but he wasn't a lead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's important to understand that this film was about Evelyn and Joy. Right. You know, uh, Waymond is an important. He was he was an important Obi Wan character. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's not a lead. So I thought it played out perfectly as far as that. But but we really need to talk about this seven Oscars shit because I remember posting on Facebook, I was like, not even Silence of the Lambs has a poll like this, okay? So Silence of the Lambs pulled five Oscars. Again, this is about as hard of a sweep as you can get. Best picture, best director, best actor, best actress, best screenplay. Top five. You can't beat that. Top five. It's the top five Oscars. Right. But everything, everywhere, all at once gets seven, and they get three acting awards, not just two, three of them, including the screenplay, and best picture, and best director, and uh, I want what was the seventh one? Was it? It was either editing. Was it editing? I don't remember. Come on, you should know this. <laughs> Disappointed. You know? <laughs> you know how many people are disappointed in us right now? <laughs> Sorry, Mom. Let's not start keeping track now of, of, of the long list of people that are disappointed in us. Um, okay, I have it right here. Seven Oscars. Best Picture. Best Director. Best Actress in a Leading Role. Actress in a Supporting Role. Actor in a Supporting Role. Editing. That's what it was. Film Editing. And it was nominated for Music. The original score, which I get why everything everywhere, everything everywhere all at once won, or no, up oh, sorry, all quiet on the Western Front, all quiet on the yeah. Western Front won best score, and I could see that because the score of that movie was amazing. Yeah, I loved that movie, and yeah, that we we I want to do that movie at some point because it was it was phenomenal. 
And it was also nominated for costumes, this movie. Um, Everything Everywhere was nominated for Best Costume, didn't win. Uh, the, the ones that it didn't win was that, Best Supporting Actress, Stephanie Hsu, and, um, you know, like I said, the, the score. Those were the, the three that it didn't win. So it was nominated for ten, which is an amazing haul. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. No, eleven. I'm missing one. Uh, oh, original song. So there was a song that was nominated as well. Um, so they, they uh, we need we need to pause for station identification. I need to get a bottle opener. I'll be right back. <laughs> you know me and my love for imperial stouts. I was trying to. I knew I, w- I wasn't completely sure I'd be able to drink this the whole podcast. So I, I found a beer, and I was just looking for a weird name, right? So all first of all, this is uh, again Three Floyd's Brewing Company. We've had them before, or I have. This is uh, this is called Blot Out the Sun, <laughs> and it it made me feel like the weightiness of the the everything bagel scene, you know. Right. So Blot Out the Sun, and it's yeah, the art on this bottle is pretty trippy. Uh, again, so and to it's that it's a war point, scene, by the way. <laughs> to that point, again, for anyone that's never seen the movie, the clips that if you watched the Oscars, the clips that they were showing, or if you just watched the trailer or any TV spots for the trailer, and they, you see all these elaborate. Wow, that's Ooh. thick. Not a very thick head on it, though. That's oh shit! This is dark. It's heavy. <laughs> it's like you're drinking a coffee. Oh yeah, the head came up. It's uh, wow, well, it's creamy <laughs> oh my god oh my god that's boozy too oh my god <laughs> i didn't realize it was that much so for those of you I'm listening my brother floor. my brother is getting fucking hammered right now <laughs> he's halfway through talking about everything everywhere all at once and he's going to be everywhere everywhere all at once everything. um so which reminds me yeah. i had a great facebook post well a facebook comment and it did not get the appreciation it deserved from Facebook goers. They just now, left you hanging, huh? Oh, those of you who know what I'm talking about, did you ever just give a great comment? Like, just nail it? And you're expecting, like, a thousand likes or a thousand hearts, and then nobody responds. And you're like, fuck, this was so good. How is nobody responding? I had one of those. So I'm going to tell you what it is. So the next day, after the Oscars... The Academy posted a picture on Facebook, on the wall, and it was the four Oscar winners for uh, acting, right? So it was the three from this film. Yeah, I remember the and picture. Bren- and Brendan Fraser, right. right? Yeah. Because he won Best Actor for The Whale. Another great performance. Um, I commented. Here's my comment. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. I think I my probably comment, read it. My comment was... Three of these four were in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And one of them was Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. <laughs> Get it? Because of the whale? I got no fucking response from that. That is genius, damn it. That is a genius. <laughs> I feel like George Costanza in Seinfeld. It's smart. And a smart audience would appreciate it. <laughs> or they didn't.
didn't even get it. Like they didn't even get what I was saying. What a jerk. He's fat shaming. <laughs> but but Brendan Fraser isn't really fat. <laughs> like he was playing a part. I know. It was a fat suit and CGI, <laughs> which is amazing what they did in that movie. They used a fat suit and CGI. Does, that was CGI too. Wow. And makeup. They had. It was a combination of makeup, a suit, and CGI. Yeah. That was a rough was movie, just, though. It, it was amazing. Uh, yeah, it's rough. It's, it I mean, rough. I I agree with the. I'm glad he won. I I thought he did an amazing performance, but it was a dark yeah. movie. It was. It was. But that comment was gold, pure gold. And it, and again, I feel like Costanza with his jerk store. Uh, uh, <laughs> I felt like Costanza with the jerk store in Seinfeld. Uh, nobody appreciate it. Was a, it's a smart comment, and a smart audience will appreciate it. But anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, so yeah, it swept the Oscars. Any any in any any way you can call it a sweep, that's a sweep. Seven, and they weren't seven like. Seven Oscars, and then we're all technical awards. Seven of t- they went top heavy. Yeah, I mean, picture, director, actress, supporting actress, supporting actress, screenplay, editing. You can't get bigger than that. Like uh, again, like I said, I posted on Facebook about uh, that. I don't even think Silence of the Lambs can compete with that. Although Silence of the Lambs has something that only two other films have done, and that's to sweep the top four. Mm. Yeah, right. Uh, picture, director, actor, actress. Only three films in history have ever done it. Do you know the other two? I do not. Really? I don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Would you like to take a guess? Because you're very familiar with one of them, which I'll give you a hint. Um, oh, should I give you this hint? Uh, I'll give you this hint. It came out in the 70s. In fact, I'll get. it came out the year I was born, 1975. And you know it. You know this movie. I got nothing. Oh my God! You're useless. Absolutely useless. It must be the beer. It must be those twenty percent fucking alcohol drink beers you're drinking. Um, One flew over the cuckoo's nest. One flew over the cuckoo's nest was best picture, best director, Jack and Louise Fletcher, best actress. And then the only other time it's ever happened was in 1934 called It Happened One Night. Wow. And that was yeah. I mean, it was 1934. It was Claudette Colbert was best actress. And uh, Clark Gable was Best Actor, and it won Best Picture and Best Director. That's wow. the only three times it's happened. Silence of the Lambs was the third one. Yeah. So think about it happened one night in 1934, and then you get a little darker with One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. And then we go fucking apeshit dark with Silence of the Lambs. So it's like if the Oscars are telling us anything, yeah, right. you want to sweep you the gotta Oscars. You got to go dark. Yeah, got to get dirty and dark. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once without winning the top four still I don't know that's a pretty damn impressive sweep right there you gotta get as dark as the stout you you're becoming useless now (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna have to carry us through the end of this thing (laughs) you carry the whole thing anyways I'm just here for the ride so you know what they call the uh, uh, director and writers plural of this movie everything everywhere all at once they're both Daniels did you know that no Daniel Kwan and Daniel uh, Scheinart are the two people that wrote and directed the film. Um, they call them the Daniels, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny. Like, the people that know them, like the actors on the, the set. The Daniels. Yeah, like when they were interviewing people on the red carpet, they were like, oh, I loved working with the Daniels. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that was just their name, apparently. <laughs> That's what they were referred to as. Um, so, yeah, so that was interesting. Um, 
I don't know, man. Do you have any trivia you want to throw well, in there? Yeah, I t- I texted you the night uh, I rewatched the movie, and the credits were going up. And there's during the music of the credits, I noticed something that intrigued me. Um, during um, one of the songs, let me pull up the. Uh, uh, I should actually pull it up and play it. Um, so it's. Two hours and 17 minutes into the movie is during the credits. So there's only like, right. there's like three minutes or four or five minutes of credits or whatever. There's a couple of songs that play during the, the credits. So two two hours and 17 minutes in, the it, it switches from one song to another. So the name of the song that was playing during the credits that intrigued me was called Evelyn Everywhere. By Sun Luke, Luke. It's Lux, L-U-X, but I think it's pronounced Luke's. Uh, Sun Luke's. So okay. that's the name of the band. But it's the song is called Evelyn Everywhere. And during this, the music, it's instrumental. And during the music, you hear this whisper in the background, and then it's distinctly male, but then a, you hear a distinctly female voice over it. So, and it's kind of going back and forth, the male female kind of whisper talking. This is and all during the closing credits. During the closing credits, and I'm like, "What the hell is that?" It was kind of creepy, and so I went back. I looked up the song. And found out, you know, what it was. And I looked up on, on Spotify, no whispers, no talking on Spotify. Nobody mentioned it on Spotify? No one. Oh, no. Oh, you can't even hear it on Spotify. No, you listen to the song. You can listen uh-huh. to the song, It's you know, because it's a soundtrack. It's part of the soundtrack. Oh, so, so it's not part of the song. It's part of the closing credits. It's part of the closing credits, but if you, you know, if you look up so the it's soundtrack. Yeah, I guess, yeah. So if you look up the song on Spotify, it has none of that whispering and talking so during it. So don't bury the lead. What are they whispering? I don't know. That's the freaking thing, and I was really pissed I couldn't figure it out. I actually employed... Did you go employed, on Reddit? Did anybody mention it on Reddit? I, I, I don't know. I, I Googled it, and I never found any answers. So, if All right, you, to our you listeners, Reddit geeks out there. Yes, you Reddit geeks, you know who you are. You guys catch everything. Yeah. And I and went catch- and I and I on YouTube it also has the it has the soundtrack and same song as Spotify. It's exactly the same. There's no whispering, no talking on on YouTube. A friend a friend of mine who's who's a, a audiovisual tech guy, he he works, he does media for a company. And I, I sent it to him, and I said, "Look, this is what's going on. What do I need to do to figure this out?" And he he said, "Well, you got to get the audio file, but it's in a movie, you know." So he actually found someone who filmed the credits or got a, got a copy of the credits and put it on YouTube. But it's the wrong song. It's not the entire credits. It's an edited version of the credits, and it's a different song. So it's not the one that I was looking for. So, anyways, if there's someone that knows how to, I mean, if I could get the audio file, I could actually probably get it to this guy, and he'll splice the music out, and we'll just hear the whispers. But you're going um, to fugitive it. Remember in the fugitive where they had to drop all the sound and get yeah, that one background yeah, exactly. of. Uh, Next stop, that, that's merchandise mark. That's an L train. <laughs> Told you it was an L train. <laughs> yeah, that's a great scene. I love that. <laughs> so maybe we'll pause and uh, I'll pull that up and so we can get a little audio, see if we'll get flagged. I don't care. We're not making any money. 
Uh, we're still recording right now, though, right? Yeah, absolutely. What okay, good. What do you got? Okay, good. What so you got? I got. I, I just wrote this down. It was one line, but it was. I put it under the "I'm sorry, it's a girl" line from the <laughs> the, 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 yeah. the dead on, on her birthday. There was another line that I thought was hilarious too, when when Deidre, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, is talking about all the the uh, infractions that she's committed through the IRS. She called it gross negligence. But when she gets into the closet with the husband, she's all, I don't know what they're talking about when they call it gross necklaces. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, you, you know, I, I get Daniel Kwan was one of the writers. The other guy's a white guy. So you know that, like, any time that they had to do any sort of making fun of the culture, you know that that white dude, that Daniel Scheinart, was just like, "All right, you're writing that one. That yeah. one's hands yeah. off. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going near that. If, you, if we're putting that in the movie, you're writing that line. You know. So um, you just get a sense that is. It was perfect. These two together because they they made a beautiful film. All right. All right what do you got? All right. So I'm gonna play that audio clip. Okay, with the whispers. I don't know how much of it's gonna be picked up on. On the He's audio. got his phone in his hand. I got folks. my phone in my hand, and so this is about, crit- you know, this is a critical review, and so it's just a, a small snippet of the credits, mind you. It's not even the film. He's this is pleading the right now to those that will cancel us, who are sue us <laughs> for all the money we don't have. Right. <laughs> I could just take the change out of my pocket and throw it to him. Anyway, here we go. about to change. First first generation. So you get the picture. So, so all I got was first generation from the and guy. When you, and when you said, and when the woman, to, the, when the woman you, comes in, you can hear her almost singing the, the words. And it, you said that when you play, if you were to like YouTube just that song, the lyric, that that whispering won't be there. Right. Right. Absolutely. It's just added in for these closing credits. Yes. All right, you Reddit uh, warriors. We need to find out. You guys find everything. I've seen you pick apart shit I've never even heard of before. So get on it. Find out what the hell it is they're saying. We need a deciphering I need of these answers. Codes. We need it's the intriguing codes. though, isn't it? It's like I perked up when I was I was listening to it. I'm like, what the hell is that? So that's why I looked up the YouTube because YouTube has lyrics sometimes. Or um, YouTube and uh, Spotify will have lyrics if they're available. Right. And nothing. It was just nothing. It was just uh, instrumental. That's it. Interesting. Yeah. So we got to get to the bottom of this. We'll have an update at a future podcast if uh, if it's if or when. It's going to be figured out. Someone's going to figure this out. I know someone's got the tech to rip the audio off the movie and, you know, do their thing. So. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Leave it up to the Reddit gang. They're usually pretty good at that shit. <laughs> I'm serious. Sometimes I'll go on Reddit and they'll be talking Maybe about Maybe you movies. should do it. Uh, do you ever do a Reddit post? I have not. Do a Reddit post. Link to this podcast. Put the timestamp in there of when we 
discuss this and let them let them at it. Can I tell you one of the funniest things I read on Reddit though? <laughs> Go for it. Because I was looking at all right. So for those of you that have already heard previous podcasts, I have two little girls of five and six and a half now. Um, they were much younger on previous podcasts, but anyway. Five and six and a half. And when I was trying, they're into jiu-jitsu right now. I got them into jiu-jitsu. But when I was trying to figure out which martial arts to get them in, I went on Reddit. And I, I, you know, I was looking up, well, I Googled a question, which martial arts is the best for toddlers? Mm-hmm. And this Reddit post came up, and everybody's going on, and it went off. Like, you had guys that were like black belts and shit, giving their point of view and everything. And then one guy said something that was so hilarious. He was like, because one of them was talking about what's the best um, as far as like lifelong self defense, right? And this guy, I, 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 obviously, I can't remember his name, but. Um, he was talking. I'm paraphrasing, by the way. I can't quote it because I don't remember all of it. But he was going into this detail about how the best for hand-to-hand combat um, is actually either MMA or uh, the military. He obviously not for toddlers. He was talking about when you get older, MMA or military, because it's real hands-on. He's like, the shit you learn in these classes in jiu-jitsu and karate, he's like, that's all about, like, technique and points. He goes, I'll give you an example. (laughs) This example he gave was hilarious. He's like, he's like, take the fictional character Jason Bourne, right? He goes, Jason Bourne, if he was in a karate tournament, would get his ass kicked on points. He goes, but if you fought Jason Bourne in an alley, he's going to put a pencil through your scrotum. <laughs> like, and like, that just sort of, like, the light bulb went off. Like, yeah, he didn't learn that in any classroom, right? Like, that shit you learn in the military, right? Yeah. And stuff like that. Like, so uh, uh, my my uh, my goal is to turn my kids into little machines, and uh, I'll see if the well, military will take them. Well, the whole point of MMA, though, it's mixed martial arts. So they right. learn so different learn, disciplines. Yeah, Right, but you're actually fighting people like yeah, yeah. to the death right or not to the death but to to tap out yeah, you're, you're fighting out. somebody yeah. until somebody's bludgeoned right right whereas in tournaments and karate tournaments or jiu-jitsu tournaments and everything it's all technique it's all points yeah right you're you're hopefully not bludgeoning somebody right but like so to truly learn you know, I, 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 again, it's just a movie, but if you watch Karate Kid, right, Daniel does his whole training with Mr. Miyagi. The second he gets in the tournament at the end, he's kind of lost. He's like a fish out of water. He doesn't really know what to do. Yeah. And Miyagi's trying to tell him, like, okay, remember all the shit we learned? Okay, now you have to start doing it, right? Because everybody would come at him with these moves, and he's like, ah, and he would run out of the ring. Right? <laughs> right. So, so I mean, that's kind of the point. You can learn technique and points, but if you get in an alley and you have to fight somebody, are you going to remember all the shit you learned? <laughs> or are you just going to, like, put the pencil through somebody's scrotum? <laughs> like, that's, that's probably what I would do. I'd grab a baseball bat. But anyway... <laughs> Um, how did we get on that? I <laughs> oh, don't Reddit, remember. Reddit Reddit, Reddit. Reddit. Yes. Again, we go off on tangents, people, and you, we don't even know how we get there. So Reddit, yeah. So Reddit, you find a lot of interesting shit on Reddit. Um, and so we're putting the mission out there for you, Reddit people. Yeah, I find, need to know what that what is said. Find out what those whispers are at the closing credits, the end credits of Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yep. All right, so what do you got for Six Degrees? Six degrees. So I went. So I wanted to try and stump you this week. So I actually went with. I was thought. I thought about some of the older actors, but they've all been in like everything. 
Right. You know. Everywhere. <laughs> all, all at once. All at but once. So I went with the two younger actors, the the girlfriends, um, and I forgot the other one's name. Stephanie Shu and uh, Telly. I don't know if it's Metal or Medell. Yeah, I I said Metal, but you could be right. It might be Medell. I'm not sure. But anyway, so yeah, both of them, and you know, they're in fewer movies, but they've been in some. So I well, went with those two, and hey, I thought. Here's the you... problem <clears throat> with both of them, because obviously I can't use this movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> when, you, when you told me those were the two, I was going to say that's easy. They're in the same movie, but <laughs> but obviously we're we're not going to cheat. Um, the problem with both of these is they have done a lot of TV and a lot of shorts. Right. If you look at their history. It's all like this thing was 13 minutes long. This thing was 20 minutes long. This thing was 28 minutes long. I know. I did my homework. <laughs> and we know the rules. You have to be in a feature-length film, not television show, and we don't use directors. But they've been in other feature-length fil- feature films. Yes. And so you'll be happy to know that I nailed it again. Oh, of course. Now, again, again, again. <laughs> it's not about how smart I am. The internet tells you a lot of things. This one I didn't know. Some of these I can get right off the top of my head. This one I had to do some research you had on. To work. The, I had to work on this one. <laughs> but again, it's not about so for those of you that are saying, "Oh, well then he cheated." It's not about stumping me. My brother misspoke just now when he said I tried to stump you. We're trying to find, are there two people that cannot be connected? Right. We almost had it this time. <laughs> you had to dig deep on these two. I mean, again, we're taking out everything everywhere all at once. Otherwise, it's one yeah, connection. Yeah, it's one degree, yeah. Yeah, you take that degree out, and here's what you got. So Telly Medell, or Metal, in 2020 was in a movie called Omniboat with Adam Devine. Adam Devine, of course, was in Why Him, the movie with uh, Brian Cranston. I love that movie. Yeah, you saw that, right. right. So the lead in that, the female in that, uh, Zoe Deutsch, Uh she was in a a 2018 movie called Set It Up with Stephanie Hsu. No way. Three degrees? Three degrees. Holy crap. Why Him and Set It Up. So even when you think (laughs) it can't be done... I'm Sometimes impressed. those are the easiest connections. Yeah, I'm impressed because I looked. I looked at both their IMDb's and I'm like, this is gonna be tough. But... Yeah, they do a lot. They have a lot of shorts and they've done a lot of appearance on TV. Yeah. So uh, again, as we talk about the guys that do uh, the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, they have uh, vast knowledge. They do TVs. They do directors. They could yeah. probably do it in less than that. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, we 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 have a very strict rule. When we do these podcasts, we usually can't do the movies that we're talking about on that show. Right. And we don't do television shows. We don't do directors. It's got to be a feature-length film. So we make it a little tougher on ourselves. But they pulled it off, these two. How about that? And their girlfriend's in this movie. How sweet. Yep. Three degrees. I actually loved uh, Tally's performance, too, as the girlfriend because yeah. um, she's just sort of like this. She's got sort of caught like a mixture throughout the film of telling Stephanie Hsu's character, Joy, like, who cares? Let's live our life. Who cares yeah. what your family thinks? But at the same time, she also wants to be impressive to the family. Yeah. Like, every she, time she's around yeah. the family, she's not mean or discourteous. She's very sweet and very nice. Very sweet. And at, I at love the point, I love the scene when the grand, the grand her grandpa said something to her in Chinese, in Mandarin, and yeah. she's like, 
what did he say? Yeah. <laughs> you know, she was, she was so cute. I was like, oh, but my actually, God, that's, that's really cool. That's the scene cool. I was going to talk about near the end <laughs> when uh, I think his name is Gong Gong, as, yeah. as, as James Hong plays, the grandpa. Uh-huh. Goes up to her and says, "So you're the girlfriend, yeah, <laughs> the girlfriend." The just girlfriend. refers to her as the girlfriend, <laughs> and she just smiles, and that's yeah. when he speaks to her in Mandarin. Yeah, yeah it's great. Um, she so, says, yeah, "What so, did he say?" <laughs> <laughs> so she was fun too. Um, you'd have to Google it, uh, or uh, rather YouTube it. But Jimmy Kimmel had a great line at the Oscars too. <laughs> He's talking about James Hong, who was at the Oscars, and Jimmy Kimmel's doing his monologue. And he had some really great ones, some really great jokes. And one of them was, he said, James Hong, who's like 90, you know, he's like 92 he's, years yeah, old or whatever. He's up there. Remember, he was on Seinfeld as well. Yeah. Seinfeld 4. Seinfeld 4. Cartwright. <laughs> Cartwright. That was a great and comedy Costanza's bit. And Costanza's like, uh, was there a phone call for me? Yes. I yell, Cartwright. No one answered. So I hung up. He's like. Cartwright. <laughs> anyway, well, so was, James. That Hong, was one of the, one of the few Seinfeld episodes that all was done in one scene. One, yeah, one, one set. One yeah, set. One, one, one setting. The Chinese restaurant. That I was think great. that was the name of the episode. Chinese and restaurant. The entire time, the entire episode <laughs> was them waiting for a table. I loved that. Yeah. Episode. And James Hong is the minority, and it's so great. If you haven't seen, if you're not a fan of Seinfeld, watch that one episode just as watch yeah, James Hong. It's, it's gold. But anyway. Um, so Jimmy Kimmel <laughs> points him out. He says, I, "Again, I have to paraphrase. Because I don't know uh, by heart." But he says, uh, "A lot of people don't know this that along with a long, uh, uh, in addition to a long acting career, prior to his acting, he was a civil engineer uh, in the city of Los Angeles." Wow. And he's like, "So I want to congratulate James Hong for a wonderfully fantastic Hollywood career." And a, a very uh, subpar career as a civil engineer. <laughs> because the roads in L.A. are fucking terrible. Yeah, right? so gridlock like, every day. So yeah, he gives a little, well, and no, I mean just like the roads, oh. like the roads themselves. So he gives a little dig at him there. <laughs> it's pretty funny. But anyway, Jimmy Kimmel, had, uh, he had some good ones. That's um, good. Yeah, some people just watch the Oscars for that opening monologue and then they just, you know, tune out. Uh, but anyway, uh, it was a great film, uh, definitely deserving of all its Oscars, all of its Oscars. Yep. I would I would like to hear from the listener. If you did not like it, for whatever reason, let us know. Yeah. Um, oh, and if yeah. you liked it, let us know that, too. I'd, I'd love to hear other opinions. Um, you got anything else you well, want to jump, I, throw again, in? Again, we, we talk about all the time about when we do these you can always tell if it's going to be a good script or not by how many writers, right? Yeah. If it's, like, got six writers, then you're like, yeah. oh, fuck, this is going to be a mess. Um, again, the writers and directors, the Daniels, they wrote it and directed it themselves. Right, right. So, you know. Yeah, when there's six it, writers, it's like they brought in the men in black to clean it up. Yeah, yeah. They just they brought, <laughs> Erase you know, memories. They, and... they brought in the, the dirty dozen. Just, you know, let's everybody, everybody add a piece. You know what I mean? Like, everybody, here, you write a scene, you write a scene, you write a scene. There's no cohesiveness to it. Um, so, but you know, again, this uh, you find the films that have really good scripts. It's always one writer or two writers tops. This one had two writers, but there were also the two directors. So, like yeah. the Coen Brothers, you ever notice the Coen Brothers always have fantastic screenplays because those two are in sync. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like they know exactly what they want, and and we get it with this one with the Daniels. So, if you have not seen Everything Everywhere All at Once, um, see it. Just watch. Even if you hate it, just watch it. Um, because you know, uh, I 
You might I find did, something my that you love. My mother-in-law was over the other day, and, <laughs> and my uh, and my sister-in-law, they were both over. And my Je- that's when Jesse was finishing the movie uh, that she fell asleep during because it was overwhelming. Which sister-in-law? But Katie. So Katie, okay, Katie. Katie and uh, my mother-in-law, Cindy, were, were over. And they're watching it with Jesse. And it was like some of the most insane stuff. I think it was the hot dog fingers and everything. <laughs> and... And I comment, I'm like, so um, I do recommend, you know, well, I don't, re- I didn't say recommend. I said, uh, I said something like, I did hear that this movie makes way more sense if you're on mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> and they just looked at me and laughed. And I said, not that I've done that. I haven't, but you know. <laughs> I couldn't imagine watching this movie on oh, drugs. Oh, I know. It's I crazy can't. enough. In fact, the movie is like you're on drugs. Yes. So, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, again, a rarity that we dedicated an entire show on one movie, but it was worth it. Seven Oscars. You got to watch it. It is the movie of the year. Had to give them the um, props for set with seven Oscars. I mean, goodness. Yeah. I mean, it is. And it's a movie everyone's talking about. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and uh, three of the four Oscars for acting. Huge. Yeah. And the fourth one was everything, everywhere, all at once. I, it's still a great line. I don't care. Yeah, it's great. It's genius. It's genius. Anyway, someday we'll, we will talk about The Whale because uh, as dark as that was, Brendan Fraser's performance yeah. can't be ignored. So we may actually have to do a show on The Whale. I think I, I, think I, I told you, I think a good pairing for that movie, weirdly, would be Uncut Gems. For the whale? Yeah. Just because, and I guess the common theme, it's 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 dark and foreboding in a, in a similar way. Because in Uncut Gems, Adam Sandler plays a gambling addict. Right. And so, in a way, you know, in, in the whale, he's got a food dis- eating disorder, which... Yes. There's similar oppressive, like oppressiveness to that kind of disorder, that that consumes you. Um, it's but di- it's different, but it's definitely different because his it's not like. But he, I don't even know if I would call it an eating disorder because he didn't have it his whole life. No, he had that traumatic experience, yeah, which caused him to be a shut in. Yes. And that, you know, one thing, it snowballed, right? Yeah, so he would always yeah. been a big guy. They mentioned it in the movie he's always a big guy, but this snowballed into excessiveness. Right, right. Um, and, man, Uncut Gens, that was another difficult one to watch just in the way of uh, I was on edge. The whole movie is very uneasy. Well, and that's what I mean because in The Whale, I, I had that same feeling. Watch, because I was anxiety. Like, yeah, like the so everything about The Whale – we should save this for the episode, but everything about the whale was oppressive. I mean, even the the way they did it on the big screen, did you notice it wasn't on the big screen? They condensed it to a smaller frame or smaller aspect ratio. Um, and they, they did yeah. that on purpose. They did that on purpose so that the yeah. person, so that Brendan Fraser seemed bigger. Yeah. Because he filled up that little space on the screen. I thought that was brilliant. But... And I want to say the story or the script was actually based on a play. I, I think it was a play. Mm. Uh, a lot of times you, you get that when you see films that are all one set, mm. or mostly one set, mm-hmm. and you're like, man, it's kind of claustrophobic. Well, it's because it's, it's a play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when you go and you watch a play on Broadway or whatever, 
Yeah, very rarely are there multiple sets. It's usually like you know yeah. somebody's apartment. You know what I mean, or a house or something. And it's usually relationship. Yeah, I didn't even yeah. think about that. So well, I think it is based on a play. But you're right about the aspect ratio. I mean, Darren Aronofsky directed that film. I mean, that dude's a master. He's if you're not familiar with Darren Aronofsky, go look at his IMDb and watch those movies. You'll it'll trip you right the fuck out. He's a really good filmmaker. Um, so when I heard that he was directing The Whale, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. You know? yeah. And you're right. Yeah, it is shot like it's like you're watching it on your television. Right, it's, exactly. It's, it's, a, it's, it's not a widescreen, you know, yeah. even in the theater, even in the theater. And I remember thinking when I went to go see it, yeah. and it started with the box, I was like, oh, somebody need, up there needs to fix that. Right. <laughs> I'm like looking up at I like the, the projector, I and I'm the like, exact yeah, same thing. hey, uh, hey, Frank, it's, it's, that, it's not widescreen. You got to fix that. That's not right. <laughs> I know. I thought so, the exact same thing. Yeah. And I can't remember. I think, I can't remember if it was that night or later, Jesse, my wife, like, Googled it, and she's like, oh, look, they actually did that on purpose. I'm like, oh, <laughs> well, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. But anyway, we, we actually jumped off onto another film. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we do that shit. Yep. All right, sign us off. Yeah, this was a good one. So um, until next time. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. And head to your local multiplex. And that is where we landed the plane on this one. Um, since you're still listening, I know that you uh, either are tied up somewhere and someone's torturing you by making you listen to this, or you really enjoyed it. So I'm going to go with you enjoyed it, and I'm just going to ask you a favor. Um, share it. Share it on social media. Tag us in a post. And um, we will see that. We will be appreciative. And we might even give you a shout out on the next episode. And again, I want to repeat what my brother said. Get to a local theater and enjoy some movies. Until next time, for my brother Jerome, I'm Chris Wiegand.